Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, welcome to Legacy, and we want to welcome all of our campuses. We want to welcome O-Town. Come on, let's give it up for O-Town, Midtown, New Iberia, Youngsville, our newest baby, Abbeville, and then, of course, Broussard, the mother where it all began. Come on, give all of them a hand as they watch online today. People often ask us, you know, where did this all start? Where did it all start? I'm always encouraged when I go somewhere. I was at a, a store yesterday at, uh, actually, I was Costco. I'm at the age where I go to Costco. You, you know what I mean? Are, are you hungry? Yeah. If you want to get a free meal, just go to Costco and eat free samples. So Michelle asked me, she said, where are you going? What are you going to order? I'm like, I don't know. I'll just find out when I eat. And, and I, I was at Costco, and I'm checking out, and the man goes, uh, he, actually, he actually had a, a bottle of wine. And... Uh, There was a long line behind me, so I said, hey, just go ahead in front of me. He goes, well, I might share with you. I said, we'll only have communion on Sunday. And uh, I said, I'm I'm a pastor, so I only have communion on Sunday. He said, really? He said, yeah. He said, "Uh, where are you a pastor at? And I said, our Savior. He goes, wow, man, I've I've been there. Uh, Which church are you at there? Which one of those? He said, well, I'm I'm kind of at the Lafayette. Sometimes I get around. Well, that's good. Well, if I see you there next time, I'll share my wine with you. I said, well, thank you. I gave up the fruit of the vine <laughs> when I left my mama's bar. <laughs> I know Jesus turned water into wine, but I've been turning back it into water every time I try to find it. A legacy is a future without you still influenced by you. And when I look back now, September, this past September was 25 years. It, it was... It was 1998, and uh, the saints were in a slump. I know you find that unusual. But they were in a slump, and and I was the chaplain for the New Orleans Saints, and uh, via Bill McCartney, the founder of Promise Keepers, who I knew, and I was speaking for them, that he he connected me with Zavin Urelian, who was the defensive coordinator for the Saints, and and I got to meet Mike Ditka, and then led him to Christ, and started doing a Bible study every week, and so we were going into a, a, a game, and I was then traveling all over 15 to 25 days a month, speaking all across the country, and and Michelle and I were getting a moment away, a break away from our six children, and we're driving in to New Orleans, and we're right on the outskirts, and, you know, we hold hands when we drive. I don't know if you do that, but it's a, it's a good thing to do. And we're holding hands, and, and she says to me, she said, there's something wrong with you. Now, how many of you know when your wife says there's something wrong with you, even if there's nothing wrong with you, there's something wrong with you? So I said... I'm I'm fine. She goes, no, there's something wrong with you. Well, a few months before, we had been at a church called Bethel Assembly. It's now called Crossroads since I was 19 years old, between there and First Assembly in Iberia. And so the pastor had resigned, and I'd been close to him for years. He's the one that brought me to Lafayette when I was 19. And and he told me when he resigned, he said, you may consider pastoring the church. 
And, you know, I, I felt sorry for pastors. I felt like there was enormous pressure on them, that their children and their wives had undue pressure put on them. So I always told Michelle, I'll never be a pastor. I could tell you that. I'll preach, I'll never be a pastor. How many of you ever told God there was things you would never do? How many of you drove by this church and said, I'll never go there? I know. And so I, I had never thought about that before, ever. And so now we're back driving and she goes, well, what's wrong with you? And then she said this, she's never asked this before or since ladies. I want you to know this. she looked at me and she goes, are you having an affair? <laughs> um, and I looked at her, I said, baby, why would I settle for hamburger on the road when I got filet mignon at home? <laughs> Come on, man. I'm trying to help you. <laughs> All right, Abbeville, I'm trying to help you. And so I, 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 I said, of course not. That's ridiculous. She said, well, what, what's going on? I said, well, you know, since Pastor Lenny resigned and I, I've never thought, I mean, I've never thought about being a pastor. And I mean, I, I've traveled and I thought this is all I was going to do for the rest of my life. And I, I, think, I think God wants us to start a church. You see, when I came to Lafayette, I was raised in the black ghetto of Houston until I was nine years old. And when I found out I wasn't black, I moved to the Mexican ghetto of Houston. That's not a joke. That's true. That, that's very true. My first girlfriends were black and my best friend was Skooky. I mean, I, I, like I was raised in the hood, fifth ward. They call it the nickel of Houston. And so then I, I moved to the Mexican ghetto and it was most of those kids there were, were first generation Hispanic kids. Most of them were all bilingual. And then integration happened when they took kids and bus kids from the black ghetto, and it was supposed to be to white schools, but at that time, Mexicans were not considered to be Mexicans. They were considered to be white because the Supreme Court said whoever wasn't black was white. That's true. My birth certificate says I'm white. Later on, I found that I was a Latino. Not long after that, I found that I was a Chicano. Not long after that, I found that I was a Hispanic, and now I know I'm a Mexican. <laughs> so pray for me while I find myself. And, 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 you know, my dad been married five times, my mom two times, man, she married my dad was seven times. I mean, just all the brokenness and all of that that happens in the middle of that. I didn't know God was going to take my misery and turn it into a ministry. And, and when I came to Lafayette and, and I saw the amazing community was here, but I saw something else. I saw there was a black side of town and a white side of town. I saw there was black Catholic churches and black Baptist churches and white Catholic churches and white Baptist Catholic churches, just black and white segregated. And, and I thought to myself, I mean, like, th this is what I was raised in. I didn't like, and then I thought, wouldn't it be amazing one day if people didn't identify themselves as Catholic or Protestant, because that's how everybody's divided here, or if they didn't identify themselves as black or white, but instead they only identified themselves once they're born again, as born again, blood-washed, spirit-filled children of the living God. Well, wouldn't it be great if there was a church where, where people walked in church, it looked like heaven? Can I share something with you? Mexicans are going to be in heaven. Those of us that are crossing the border now, that's the first crossing. Then we're going to cross over again. There's no limit. Uh, I, 
many people. And, and when I saw that, I just thought that was a picture. That was a picture. So we're driving in and Michelle says, so, so what? I said, so what do you think about us starting a church? I think God is telling us to start a church. She said, where? I said, right by St. Martinville. Michelle had been on one field trip to St. Martinville her whole life as a child. She went to the Evangeline Tree in St. Martinville. She said, but where are we going to meet at? I said, the Harry Smith Lodge, an old honky-tonk where Merle Haggard and Waylon Jennings played, where water was terrible, but nobody ever drank water when they were there, so it didn't matter. <laughs> and, and she said, well, when are we going to do this? Now, many of you don't know this. How many of you have a favorite scripture? Okay. I have a favorite scripture. It's not your favorite scripture, and it's not a favorite scripture of anybody you know. I don't care what campus you're at. No one, this is your favorite scripture. But it's mine. It's what Jesus told Judas when he went to betray him. He said, whatever you do, do quickly. That's my favorite scripture. And three weeks later, we had our first service from that conversation. Uh, look, you can clap now. It almost caught me in my marriage then. Because two and a half of those three weeks, I was gone traveling. And when we came the first Sunday, this is a true story. Some of the family members are here. I didn't have a microphone cord long enough to reach the podium that I had. I borrowed a podium from Family Life Church. And my dear friend who's now in heaven, Joe Ballantyne, who I'm Pond Smart, he came that Sunday, and the next Sunday he said, hey, Pastor, I'm going to get you a cord that will reach all the way to the podium where you preach. And that's where we started. And that Sunday, 150 or 200 people came. And, and I, I thought like we had, like this was like a real church. But there wasn't any African-Americans that came. And so I would begin standing up every week because new people were coming just to see what it was out in the highway out there towards St. Martinville. And, and I, I would say this every week, hey, if you're white and you're here, we're so thankful that you're here. But if you're black, welcome home. And every time I did that, we finally had one African-American family. And the only reason we got Brian Harrison is that he was married to a Mexican from the ghetto where I was raised in Houston. And she heard there was a Mexican in Broussard, so she came. <laughs> Olivia and Brian Harrison, they're in Broussard. And I, that was the first wedding. They were the only wedding we did in those orange chairs. Their oldest daughter, her and her husband, are now our worship leaders in New Iberia and on Sunday evening in Abbeville. And every week when I would say that, if you were prejudiced, it tormented you. It drove prejudice out of you. Because there's only two types of people, lost and found, spiritually dead and spiritually alive. And if you've been born again and God is your father, then I am your brother. It doesn't matter who you are. Do you know there are going to be people you don't like in heaven? But be encouraged, they don't like you either. They're going to be just as shocked as you. 
I, some days I feel like that guy I was talking to in East Texas one time. When he looked at me, we were talking about life. And he looked at me and they're just kind of like just old country wisdom. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Old country wisdom. Like your papa or your mama will give you. And we were talking. He said, I'm going to tell you something, preacher. Some people in Texas talk. So I'm going to tell you something, preacher. He said, I see God a whole lot more looking behind me than I do looking in front of me. The verse is, everything works together for the good of those that love the Lord, but you don't know it's working together for the good until you look back years in reverse. Faith is trusting in advance what only makes sense in reverse, looking back on it. And God gave us a mandate. And it was coming to a community that was divided between Protestant and Catholic, rich and poor, black and white, and to break pride, poverty, and prejudice with the word of God and with the gospel, and to build a church that looked like heaven. And 25 years ago, Michelle and I were entrusted with that God dream. It wasn't ours, it was God's. And God began adding, do you know it was years before we had any African-American pastor on staff? Our mother campus is pastored by one of the finest African-American preachers in the country, Pastor Gabe Smith. Been with us since he was 18 years old. And, and, and when, when you look back on all those years, can I tell you something that will shock you? People don't go where people their color are. I'm Mexican. If I only went where Mexicans were, I wouldn't have many places to go in Lafayette. Do you know where I go? I go where people love me, celebrate me, and think I'm a big deal. You know why you drive to the mall way past Kankton and Dusan back on a dirt road? Because when you go there and they open up the door, you a big deal. People go where they're loved and celebrated and value is added to their life. And people begin to see in them what only God sees in them. And looking back 25 years now, we're the largest white church in Acadiana and the largest black church in Acadiana. If I could get all my children in church, we'd be the largest Mexican church in Acadiana if they weren't scattered across the regions. But can I share something with you? That's what the gospel does. There was no more prejudiced people than Jews. They believe they alone have the right to God, nobody else. You can't be more prejudiced than that. I love what the scripture says, addressing this in Ephesians 2, 14, the Passion Translation says, our reconciling peace is he has made Jews and non-Jews one in Christ by dying as our sacrifice. He has broken down every wall of that separates us and has now made us what? Equal through union with Christ. Listen to this. Ethnic hatred has been by crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. 25 years ago, long before BLM ever thought about being BLM, 2,000 years ago, before every organization that tried to break prejudice tried to break prejudice, the cross of Jesus Christ brings all people to one, and when you become covered in the blood of Jesus, it doesn't matter what color the outside of you is. And we've seen that happen. 
what, what God has done in Opelousas. When, when we started there in Lafayette, I mean, in, in Broussard, and we built our first building in 2001, it was like a, a real church. We were now like, it wasn't an old honky tonk. We were like in a real church. And it started growing. We sent a group out to Jennings, Pastor Bubba McCann, and planted them there. Three years later, we sent out another group to Lake Charles. Both of those churches are churches over a thousand now, planted there, doing the same thing we did here, breaking pride, poverty, and prejudice. My children at Westminster, we were standing across the street in that little cafetorium. How many have ever been in that thing? And we were standing over there in that little cafetorium. It sees about 150 people watching those plays that only parents go to watch their kids in. And nobody would pay to go see that. It's your kids. Like Joseph was up there. He was like a lamb or something. And, and you know, you're, you're just watching. And me and Pastor Eugene are leaning on the back of the wall. And I said, hey, Pastor you. It just hit me. I said, what? I said, here's where we're going to start our Savior's Church of Lafayette. He said, here? I said, yeah, let's start in three weeks. Now they had an intervention, Michelle and I, and Pastor Eugene, and they convinced me to wait six weeks. So six weeks later, we started across the street, and I would do, we would do a five o'clock service on Saturday night in, uh, in Lafayette, a six o'clock Saturday night in Broussard, we would do an eight o'clock in Broussard, a nine o'clock here, a 10 o'clock in Broussard, 11 o'clock here. And they hadn't built, uh, the, the Ambassador Caffrey didn't go all the way through. So I'd be driving 90 miles an hour in between services, bringing people to Jesus. People pulled over the side of the road praying everywhere I went. <sighs> and then I remember in 2005, we said, let's build a building here. And we started looking for property all over. And, and, and finally, when the last thing fell through, I looked up and Ricky Tucker, one of our elders then, I said, hey, there's that old golf course. See if we could get some of that property. And within a week, we owned the property that you're in right now. And then we decided how, how we're going to build a building. It was going to be $12.5 million. You could have said $500 million to me. But there were people that trusted what God was doing here, that stepped up. And one man said, I'll give you $3 million. Every year you match a million, I'll give you a million. And I sat down and I asked different people. I took 30 of our couples and I looked across at them at a dinner and I said, would you give $30,000 a year above your normal giving so that we could build a Lafayette campus? The first couple I asked was George and Roxanne Graham. We're sitting at Charlie G's. I asked that and Roxanne goes, this is the Lord. George turns white. <laughs> said, George, you just sold your boat for $120,000. This is the Lord. She was floating and he was sinking. Isn't God good? Because you know who the guy back is? Stand up right there. That's now their son-in-law. He's the head of all of our media department. They had no clue. He was, he was 13 years old when we did that. And we started building this building and we're meeting across the street with 200 people, right across the street, 200 people. And the day came when, when we were to open this building and we, and we were so nervous. I mean, do you go to the bathroom a lot when you're nervous? 
and, and I'm, I'm pacing back and I don't know, we've had 200 people over there and this is a big building and we don't know what's going to happen. And 15 minutes before they come in, they grab me and they go, pastor, what are we going to do? I said, about what? They said, the parking lot is full and traffic is backed up half a mile in each direction. And there was a thousand people that day and there's never been less since. Right after that, literally six months after that, Pastor Eugene comes to me, Pastor Eugene, he says, hey, Pastor, he said, Tommy and Susan Bada are the athletic directors at Westminster and Opelousas, and they said they needed our saviors in Opelousas. I said, well, we're trying to pay for this building. He said, well, they said they got 100 people. I said, okay, let's see. Tell them if they come here for a year, we'll plant a church there. All of those people came the next week. Every week. Six months into it, I looked at Pastor Eugene. I said, man, these people keep coming. Like, they're serious. Why don't you start having a Bible study with them, like on Sunday night, like taking them through, like, membership, next steps, and, like, understanding the values, the biblical values we are, what we're going to do. I said, all right. Comes back the next month. He goes, Pastor, they're asking me, who's going to be the pastor? I said, well, it's only you and me. <laughs> Looks like you're the pastor. <laughs> and so he began going over there. And then they started at Westminster first. And then they moved to the Delta Grand. And then they moved the Delta Grand to a place they call the Civic Center. Don't lie, Opelousas. It's Brown's Furniture that closed down. Okay, and then they move from there all the way through to the high school, and then they're having two and three services in the high school, and we begin to dream what would happen if a city that has not had a new church or school in 50 years, this average household income, there's 18,000 people, the average household income is less than $20,000 a year, 75% African-American. 75% of the babies there are born without a daddy in the room. What would happen? Can I tell you something? It's expensive to reach the poor. But it's still our job. The Bible says he who loans to the poor loans to God. God will surely repay. How many of you came from a good family? Raise your hand. How many of you know on your darkest day you got a daddy thinking about you somewhere that can help you? Raise your hand. Look at me. Don't you think those kids have a daddy that's thinking about them? It's a heavenly father, and he's looking for somebody to talk to about that. And we built that building there, the newest church or school built, not named a casino. Isn't it sad that the only place a people vision can have a vision for in a community like that, it's not schools, it's not churches, it's not enterprises, it's a casino that takes from the community. It doesn't add to the community. Is this okay? Yes. We're talking about legacy. And on the first day we opened up that building in that city of 18,000, I was there, Michelle and I were there, some of our elders, we were here. There was 4,000 people, 50% black, 50% white. We had two services. Traffic was backed up half a mile on 449, trying to get off to get in the building. The sheriff had to turn his lights on to get into church. Like he was pulling people over. 
what an amazing job Pastor Eugene and Heidi have done in that community and transforming what God is doing there. And guess what? In 2025, the largest school will be right next to our parking lot where a third of all of St. Landry Parish will be going to school there in a year and a half because they want us as a church to have influence on that school. So the, then, then you, you look and go, what's next? Then we found out that, 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 that there was a church that the pastor wanted to retire and, and he wanted us to be a part of on Johnson Street. We call it Midtown. The first Sunday we opened up after a $2 million renovation, there was a thousand people there the first Sunday. And then God just continued to add to us. Why? Because something happens when you preach the gospel and you begin to break pride, poverty, and prejudice, and Jesus begins to manifest himself. Listen to me. BLM had part of it right. All of these other different entities of every, they have part of it right. They see an injustice that needs to be righted, but what needs to be righted is not a skin problem. It's a sin problem because hatred comes from the heart of man, not from the color of the skin. What would be, what would happen if we went to communities like that and brought transformation? Would you like to know? Because there is a community like that waiting for us. You know what it's named? Ville Platte. Ville Platte. Many people look at it and they call it a dying city. They call it a city that enterprise and people have left and given up on. But God still loves the people of Ville Platte. 70% African-American, average household income, everybody working, $20,600. $20,600. Pastor Eugene called me about a year ago, year and a half ago. He says, hey, Pastor, uh, we have a bunch of people coming from Ville Platte. They have a vision to change Ville Platte. I said, Ville Platte? He said, yes. He said, would you, would you come to Ville Platte and just dream with me? So have you ever gone through Ville Platte to dream? <laughs> and so we, we, we drove into Ville Platte and we started looking everywhere to dream. We go to some old buildings and an old place, the old, just, we hear, I mean, we're just looking. Isn't it? And on the, on the way out, we look over on the left and there's an old Walmart. You know what happens to old Walmarts? They become either big lots or dirt cheap. One of the two. This one became dirt cheap. And he saw this huge building and he said, you know, that building's for sale. I said, really? Like that wasn't my vision. <laughs> Welcome to. <laughs> yeah. So he, he began asking about it and inquiring about it. And, and, and I, I thought, man, I mean, if you could have a vision for that, Pastor you, I mean, what y'all have done in Opelousa is astounding. I mean, I guess same thing could happen here. It's, a, it's amazing what has happened there as a result of that first step. 30% poverty rate there. All of these different things in that city that are just waiting for someone like us. I want to ask a question. Look at me. Does God care about those people? Yes. 
How many of you are blessed in your life? Raise your hand. You're blessed. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much will be required. Much will be required. And I said, but, but Pastor, you, if we, if, we, if we went there, I mean, who would be the, who wants to go to Abbeville? I mean, excuse me, who wants to go to Bill Platt? Who wants to go to Bill Platt? He said, well, I actually have somebody. I said, who? He said, Kevin and Chrisley Lalonde. Kevin and Chris Lalonde came to our Savior's church in 2013 in the Delta Grand. They hadn't been in church for years. Both of them had a faith, but, but weren't actively following their faith. And so their daughter went to the children's ministry, loved the children's ministry, and told their mom and daddy they had to come. So there they go, going into the Delta Grand Hotel. Pastor Eugene was preaching out of the book of Ephesians on the spirit of adoption. Chrisley Lalonde is from Korea. She was adopted as a baby by a Cajun family. Kevin was raised there, like her. They were raised in the suburbs of Ville Platte. Did you know there was a suburb of Ville Platte? It's called Chitania. Does anybody know where Chitania is? Kevin, your people are known. And and they were raised there, and he always had a crush on her all throughout school, and she kept neglecting him and rejecting him until finally he just wore her down. <laughs> they walked into church that day, Pastor Eugene speaking on the spirit of adoption. She had just started looking for her birth parents in Korea, and she just started sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. I said, Kevin, when did you get it? He said, they got a men's meeting in Lafayette and I came with Pastor You, and you were speaking. And after, I'd never seen men gathered like this, fired up about being men of God, standing for their wives and their family and their future and, and, and bringing a spiritual legacy. I was blown away. When I got ready to leave, uh, Pastor Eugene, we rode together. He said, Kevin, how'd you enjoy it today? And he said, I just broke and started sobbing. They had legacy in 2014, and he got his legacy card, just like the ones you had. On the legacy card in the back, we ask you to list your greatest need, and then on the front, we ask you to make a pledge that will be fulfilled by 3-1-24, the beginning of March. And he said, he walked up to me with his card, and he said, Pastor you, I am not given to legacy. That's Kevin, straightforward. And he said, but what I'm going to do is I'm an RN. My wife's a pathologist, a doctor. She can support us. I'm going to work for the church for free for the next three years. Just put me to work. That will be my gift. Little did he know what God was going to do in his life. Because then God began to stir up a desire to go back to the very place where he and his wife were raised to break pride and poverty and prejudice and bring the gospel to that very divided, very broken city. Could I introduce you to Dr. Chrissy and Kevin Lalonde? Come on up. Now, this is the best sales job he did. I still don't know how he pulled that off. 
But Kevin, why would you, you I mean, y'all do well. You could live anywhere. You could go anywhere. You could be in River Ranch. You could be in Sugar. You could be anywhere. Why do you feel like God called you to work for free and then to go back to the city where you were raised? First, when you were raised in River Ranch, they won't accept you in River Ranch, Pastor Jim. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been waiting to say that? I've been holding on to that one for a while. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so I was raised in Chitania and grew up in Bill Platt. And uh, you don't know what you don't know, you know, when you're there. And you didn't know how small the town was and the culture and until you leave those kind of places. You know, you can't really appreciate it. And you don't know what you didn't know either. So... With Chris's education, we were afforded to had to go to New Orleans, went to Lafayette, uh, Madison, Mississippi, and then we left there and we spent a year in Columbus, Ohio. And so you leave there and you see difference in the world between where you were raised and now where you get to experience life. And uh, coming home, you have a couple of kids and you want them to be raised the same way you were raised. You know, we're country people. And so I brought him back to Bill Platt. I said, look, I said, you're going to get your hair cut at the same place Daddy got his hair cut. And so we walk into this barber shop, and uh, he sits down, and he said, where you been, Kevin? I said, man, I said, well, I've just been all over the, the country, you know, traveling with Chrissy and living life. And so they begin to cut his hair, and he says, well, where you been? I said, we were in Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, and then we moved to Columbus, Ohio, and it was just beautiful. And the guy next to us looks at us and he says, I bet there weren't any ends over there, huh? Look at my boy. Finishes cutting his hair and we leave. I'm not going to raise my son that way. You will never hear that word in my house. As much as I love Ville Platte, I love the culture there. There's no other city that cancels school for squirrel day. <laughs> There's no other place that cooks in black pots and speaks French. But there's no other place where racism is thicker than it is in Opelousas. And seeing what Opelousas has done gives me hope for, Op for Ville Platte. And although I couldn't go and change things by myself, I know if I bring Christ there and my family and the culture that we've had in Opelousas, I think we can change the city. So. Thank you. How many of you know that God is smarter than all of us and that there are things that just as I said, don't make sense until you look back and you see God's hand in them. A year and a half ago for Legacy, we shot that video, the apple tree video. Did y'all like that? Do you know whose children were in that video? I want y'all to come up here real quick. Where, where's your, where's your, Caroline had to leave. Come on up here. Here is the little star and her and her older sister who was just here. It's their children. You can go. The apple tree that's being planted is their mom and daddy and their family. Only God could do something like that. Reaching the poor is expensive. But the Bible says when you've done it unto the least of them, you've done it unto me. You don't, you don't really do something for God until you do it for somebody who can't do anything back for you. 
If they can do something back for you, so when you do it for them, they go, why did you do this? You go, him, him, just him. A community just like Ville Platte, just like Opelousas, is Abbeville, Louisiana. It's wonderful, it's historic, it's beautiful, but it is divided and segregated by pride, poverty, and prejudice. The crime rate is high. All of those different things that are there, areas where, where we feel led to go in and to bring transformation from school to church to all across the business community. And so we began dreaming about what it might be to be in Abbeville. And about six or eight months ago, Pastor Delino reached out to me and he said, Pastor, I, I, I feel like my time here pastoring is at its end. I want to transition on. Would y'all consider partnering with us and taking this church? I preached at that church 39 years ago when Jacob Jr. was an infant. The church is almost 50 years old. And so with a population that was growing elderly there, we had an opportunity to come in and to take over there, to partner with the pastor, to partner with his children that are still there, to do renovation. 300 people came in. We gutted out everything and began the first phase of painting and cleaning up and doing all kinds of things. And the first Sunday that we opened up, there was almost 400 people. It went to being the largest non-denominational Protestant church in Abbeville, the first service. But we said, who, who can we make the pastors there? Pastor Don at our church in New Iberia has done a phenomenal job. And he's been telling me about a young man that has his master's degree, that is a, a military, came from the Marines, and that he married a girl that grew up actually in the orange chairs of our church when she was a little girl, that their next step was going from being in maintenance, and that's what Kevin did actually. He's over maintenance and next steps that he's been in maintenance and children's ministry, that they could come and that they could begin to take that campus. So I want to introduce you now to Ryan and Tammy Johnson, the pastors of our church in Abbeville. Come on. And just like Kevin, I don't know how he pulled this off. But many of you have seen them on the ad adoption and foster care videos. It's their passion for foster care. They have six children. They fostered and then adopted Down syndrome child and an African-American child. And so Tammy has been in our church since the very beginning, and she reeled in this boy from Arnoville or Cecilia? Cecilia. Cecilia, the metropolis of Cecilia. <laughs> so share with us your heart for Abbeville and why you feel like God's called us there. Whenever Pastor Don uh, asked us to go over to Abbeville, he had no idea our connection there. And so um, our foster care journey started nine years ago, our first placement. He was only nine days old. And every week for two years, I drove and I would cry the whole way there and the whole way back. Because when I got there, I met a mama who loved her son just as much as I did. And as I looked in her eyes, I saw that really and truthfully, this was just a cycle that she just didn't know how to get out of. And over time, she became like family to us. And we often tell people she broke our heart for people like her that are just in a hard situation. And about 
eight months ago, Miss Michelle stood up in front of our staff at one of our all staff meetings and told us about a, uh, a ministry that she'd be starting called With Love. And in this ministry, we'd be going out to correctional facilities and one of them being Vermillion Parish. And I wept because what she didn't know is what I know that I still get updates and that my son, who's four years old, who has Down syndrome, his mother has not seen him since he was born, but that she's been in those correctional facilities in and out. And often I get emails saying she's back in. And I thought, wouldn't it be like God that our church would go there? Little did I know that God would be calling us to that same area and that we'd be able to pastor not only my son's family, but also my other son's family and be able to speak to his mother in a place where she's never even got to meet her son since the day he was born. Wouldn't that be like God? How many people are in Abbeville that feel like they were left out and they're forgotten about and God said, no, 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 I haven't forgot about you and I'm gonna send you a people to love you and to break pride, poverty, and prejudice. So we're so excited. Thank you, church, for being a part of this. Thank you. What an amazing thing. How many of you would love to see us maximize all these opportunities and bring the gospel to all of these areas? How many of you would like to know what it would look like if we took that building, that old Walmart, now dirt cheap, if we took that and transformed that into the church, if we expanded the sanctuary in Abbeville to where it went from 200 to over 400 in other facilities that are there, how many would like to see that? How many of you know the growth has happened here at the Lafayette campus? This campus has grown a thousand people in less than 12 months. We sent out 450 people to Youngsville right before Easter. Pastor Chris started me with them at the end of the year. We've sent them out. Then we sent another group out when Abbeville began, opened up that we're here. This campus went from 2,300, 2,400 to about 1,800. We are now averaging between 2,800 and 3,000. 600 people have been saved in the last four months. We've outgrown all of our facilities. How many of you parked on the grass today? <laughs> you know, we need to expand all of our parking. We have two meeting spaces. We have this room that seats a thousand and we have a youth room that seats a hundred. That's the only space. We don't even have an office here. There's not an office in this whole place. All of this, all of this enables us even as limited as we are to serve just under 3000 people. And every time we've grown, we've just planted other works, Midtown, Youngsville, but we need to expand this campus. We have four services now, and if we expand it, we can go from serving 3,000 to serving 4,000 people every weekend. Now, how many of you would like to see what all of this would look like if we did it? Okay, with the rest of you, close your eyes, because you're about to see it. How many of you are believing God that we're going to have our own campus this year in Lafayette? We must prepare for those who will come.
We've been looking for a place to start the third campus of Our Savior's Church here in the city of Opelousas. What you get by faith, you must maintain by faith. You know what Jesus says? Bring to me what you have. Bring to me what you have. Then God's going to enable us to do what very, 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 very few places ever get the opportunity to do. If, if we're just going to have 1,500, 2,000 people, that's fine. That's fine. Campus is fine. Stage is like it is. But we're not building for us. We're building for your children. We're building for generations to come because anything God does is at least three generations. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that in the name of Jesus, you know every need. You know where every one of us are. Father, in this room, there are dreams that we can imagine of our children, our grandchildren, for some of us, our mates, for some extended family. And this gift is going to represent healing. It's going to represent deliverance. It's going to represent salvation. It's going to represent embracing destiny. I know what y'all are saying, but pastor, what about Youngsville? They're still setting up and tearing down. Well, pastor Chris and I have been dreaming about what we could do in Youngsville. Youngsville yet has yet to have an auditorium. That $70 million school they have, they have a cafetorium. There is not a large auditorium. Just like in Opelousas last year, nine high school graduations happened. When all the teachers get together in St. Landry Parish, they get together in our building. We serve that entire region. I believe that Youngsville is waiting for that too. So we've imagined what would it be like if we built the Opelousas campus in Youngsville? Let me show you.
Would that be amazing in Youngsville? But you know, in order to do something like that, you have to have property. And property in Youngsville is very expensive. So we've been looking for five years. I've been driving by looking, Pastor Chris and I looking. And that one day, five years ago, I walked into a, a man's house, knocked on his door. He had a tree farm. As a matter of fact, the tree for Wesley's pond, right back here, our son's pond, came from his tree farm, Mr. Gerald Thibodeau. Beautiful piece, 21 acres on Shemin Metairie in Fortune. And I, I just wondered, man, what, what, I went and knocked on his door. I said, hey, my name is Pastor Jacob, and one day we hope to build, uh, you know, here. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what, this property would be $3 million. We've been members at First Baptist Church in Lafayette since 1957. And I said, well, that's wonderful. We can't pay you $3 million. I remember a call I got right after spiritual renewal. John Bevere spoke on the fear of the Lord. How many remember that? And Mr. Gerald called me. He said, Pastor, he said, I've been watching online. It was a week before Easter. He said, I've been watching online. And he said, I heard that John Bevere speak on the fear of the Lord. And he said, the fear of the Lord is when God tells you to do something, you have to do it right away. And he started crying. He said, I know this property is for the Lord. And I said, I do too. He said, Pastor, he said, I, I'd love to give you this property, but, but my children will kill me. I said, we'll get you other kids. We got foster care. We, we'll find you some kids from Chitania. I mean, we'll find you some kids. That's no problem. He said, no. He said, but, but, but I, I could sell it. I, I believe I could sell it. I'll sell it to you. And, and it was almost a third of the price. And I said, well, thank you. Thank you. It's done. And I back, got in my car and I backed down and I thought, how are we going to get this money? And I picked up the phone and I called one of our legacy partners who loves this church and told him about it. And he said, well, pastor, I'll give you the first million. And then another one of our legacy partners, I spoke to him a few days later and he said, I'll give you the rest of the part of it. And today we own those 21 acres and the sign will go up next week saying the future home of our Savior's church. Oh, and, and, and the property, the, 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 the old Walmart, one of our legacy donors felt like this was so important. He actually told me, he said, Pastor, I tried to go to sleep and for nights all I could think about was those poor people in Ville Platte and how much they needed us and he purchased that building and gave it to us so that we could turn that into our church as well. Yeah, I know some of y'all are going, I know, I'm shocked too. I'm shocked too. I just believe that God is looking for someone who will break pride, poverty, and prejudice, reach the poor, preach the gospel, and make Jesus the preeminent thing in a community. So pastor, what, 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 what do you want me to do? How many of you know what Jesus' occupation was? Raise your hand. What was he? Don't say a plumber. He, he was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. Let me ask you a question. Suppose they were digging somewhere in Israel right now and they dug up a chair and it had Jesus' signature on the bottom. Would that be valuable? But Jesus didn't build chairs. He didn't build tables. He didn't build houses. As a matter of fact, he told us there was one thing that he was going to build. Look right here. He said, I will build 
my church. Jesus's legacy is in the church. That's why everything good that's happened to you, for you, has been in or through the local church. The local church is the hope of the world. God left one arm on earth to change the world. It's called the salt and the light. And when darkness prevails and a community loses their taste, it's because the church has lost its influence. Every year, 4,500 churches close down in America. 4,500. Do you know, you want to know the influence of the church? How many of you remember COVID? What happened when people couldn't go to church? Divorce at an all-time high. Abuse at an all-time high. Suicide at an all-time high. Drug addiction at an all-time high. Overdoses at an all-time high. Why? Because the church wasn't the church bringing salt and light to a community. I love to say it like this. Jesus saved my soul, but the church of Jesus saved my life. I am here today because a church reached out to a junior high school and a pastor took me in and loved me like his own son. Jesus saved me, but the church saved my life. It saved my life. It is his body. It is his arm. It is his legacy. So pastor, what, what, what do I want you to do? Well, first of all, do you know there's three levels of giving? Level number one, there's what you can afford to give. There's like, okay, I think if, you know, I did this and maybe I could give, okay, I think I could give this. Then there's what you could sacrificially give. Well, I'll sacrifice not doing this and then I'll give, I'll give that to God. But then there's a third level. And it's what I could give if God would give it through me. When Michelle and I made our first big legacy pledge, it was 15% of our whole income, maybe 20. It was $10,000. It was for the Broussard campus. It was for the Broussard campus. On this card where we want you to list your greatest need was Jacob Jr., Christian, Joseph, Wesley, Haddon, and Amberly wasn't even in our life. Michelle wanted a little girl. And in future legacy cards, she would put, I want to adopt a little girl. Look, look right here. And as we did that, we committed $10,000. Three weeks later, a real estate agent calls us that we know and said, hey, there's a house for sale, four houses down from y'all. I think you could buy the house, flip it, and make $10,000. What do you think? I said, I think that's God. We sold the house, and guess how much profit we made? God got it to me so he could get it through me. He got it to me so he could get it through me. So we want you to partner with God. Now, I told you today, I was going to tell you the biggest miracle in the history of our church. And I'm going to tell you that in just a moment. But I want you to take this card. Take this card. Look at me, take this card, and I want you to think about what your greatest need is. If Jesus came and sat down next to you, what would you say was your need? Write that on that card. And next week, we're gonna receive communion together after the message, and we're gonna bring our cards. Your cards reveal, as I said earlier, your one-year pledge, whatever you can give between now 
and March the 1st. You're going to write it on here. And then be sure that it's given by March the 1st. All right, everybody got that? What do I want you to put on the back? Your greatest need. Now, look right here a moment. Last five, four or five minutes. Be patient with me because the best is coming. Because I showed you a lot. And when you look at all this, people here, buildings and things. and Look at me. Look at me. This is not about buildings. This is about people. It's about this ring right here. This ring right here. This ring. 2006, we were doing a legacy campaign like this. And a lady walked up to me at the end of the service and she said, here's my gift. I said, well, I, 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 can't, I can't take that. She said, me and my husband are divorced. He was a rageaholic, abusive. I, I, I had to, to, to find a safe place. I had to leave him. We're going to be divorced. Our church began helping her. She actually moved in an apartment with my mother-in-law who just went to be with the Lord right behind their home. My mother-in-law gave her a job at Unpainted Furniture by Louise. And they began discipling her, my sister-in-law and Louise and my mother-in-law and, and ministering to her as she began to grow in her faith journey. When, when I came home with this ring that day from a day like today, Michelle said, what is that? Like she was excited about a ring. I said, baby, this is, this is, and I told the story. I said that she came up to me and she, she gave me this ring and I, like, I don't, I don't know what to do with it. She said, what are you going to do with it? I said, I don't know. So I, I took it and I put it above my sock drawer on a little counter. How many got a sock drawer? And after about two or three weeks, I just took it and I dropped it in the sock drawer. That's like an abyss that goes right down into Shiloh or somewhere in the Bible. And I just completely forgot about it. Never thought about it again. Never. And two, about a year and a half later, Pastor Eugene comes walking in. We just had the Bruce Star campus. He said, hey, Pastor. He said, I just got an interesting call. I said, really? He said, yeah. The pastor from Family Life Church, Pastor Todd Mendard, called me. And he said that um, God has changed Bo Mesh. That he was off on a job in Texas and he got saved at a church and he came and he's planted there and he just went through freedom and was baptized in the Holy Spirit. and He's walking with God and discipling him. And and he said he's been doing good for a year and a half. He wants to know if he can start dating his ex-wife, Jackie. I mean, back then, like we were like the probation officers of single women too. So Pat, she, had to, she said, told him, you got to go through Pastor Eugene. So Pastor Eugene says, I'm going to meet with him tomorrow. So he meets with him the next day, comes out. I said, what do you think? He said, God has transformed his life. He's a brand new person. He wants to start dating. He said, I gave him permission. And sure enough, they started coming to church. Every week, come to church. Them and their two children. We do a single mother's banquet that Michelle started in the beginning of our church. How many of you know the single mom and widows banquet we do? We had 700 women last year. And we lavished them with love and gifts. Lavished them with love and gifts. I'm advertising that, talking about sign up for it. Michelle's up talking about it. Service is over. I'm shaking hands like I will today. 
And Bo comes by and he pulls me to the side and makes sure that Jack is not around. He said, hey, 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 pastor. I said, yeah. He goes, I want to go to the single mama's banquet. Jackie's leading a small group of single mothers, and they're going to be there, and I want to go, and I want to propose to her in front of everybody. What do you think? I'm like, "Ah, that's pretty strong. (laughs) True. So sure enough, we get there Friday night. It's the city club and everything. We fed them and Michelle's got up and encouraged them and loved on them. And I'm getting up telling them, you know, I was raised single mama and all of that and just doing what we do. And, and I said, but you know, all of you here because you're single or widowed, but some of you, at least one of you is not going to be here unmarried next year. And that was kind of my cue. I was waiting for Bo to open up the door. I said, one of you. It's not going to be single next year. Door opens up and I can close my eyes right now. He had on a black suit and a gray tie and he was holding flowers. And he was holding this ring. Because when he told me that, I told him I'd have something for him before. And it was this ring. And the door opens up and he goes right over to her table and he pops down on one knee and she's looking going, that's the ring. How'd you get the ring? He kisses her. Everybody's crying. He takes her away. Everybody's cheering and crying. And the ladies are at the table. I'm going, I'm hugging them afterwards going, wasn't this amazing? She goes, thank you. This was just amazing. We love Jackie, but she was our ride. How are we getting back? Look at me. That's what happens at a Newville Platt. That's what happens at a new Youngsville. That's what happens at Expanded Life. That's what happens in an Abbeville. And Bowie Jackie Mesh are here today, pillars in this house. She was supposed to be serving in the nursery, but I told her she couldn't. Bowie Jackie Mesh, stand up. And that's their sons, their daughter. They weren't born then. They weren't born till after they got back reconciled together. Let me show you a picture of them. This is a picture when they got remarried again at the church. And now here's a picture of their whole family. Their eldest son on the left, Bo Jr. is a Harvard graduate. He and his wife are both Harvard graduates working on Wall Street. His other son is here on the right. He's a young genius getting ready to go to MIT or some other school like that. It's true. Like, no, that's not a joke. Like, I would think it was a joke that was like, that's the truth. And these are two children they had since that time. Why? Because the local church is the hope of the world. And Jesus built one thing, and it's the church, and it's still building lives today. I talked to a mama who was weeping this week about legacy, and she said, Pastor, She said, this is the first time that our oldest son will not be on the legacy card. He'll be bringing his own legacy card. I remember when Joseph was on this legacy card, now he's on the platform. I remember when Christian was on this legacy card. Now he's finishing his third service preaching at his church he founded in Tomball, Texas. I remember when Amberly was on this card and now she serves here in our church. I want you to list your greatest need, your greatest need. And we're going to partner with you and believe that God is going to do some amazing things.
some amazing things. Church, I, I don't take for granted your trust and your love, but you got to remember what happens when Jesus changes people's lives in the church. You know what happened to Bo? They, they were married on August the 9th, 1997. They were remarried on August the 9th, 2008. The father-in-law and mother-in-law got saved at the Lafayette campus. He baptized his father who got saved at the Lafayette campus. His two oldest boys, Bo and Bailey. In 2015, they were baptized here. He baptized Audrey September the 17th at the Lafayette campus. Noah's youngest son was baptized in Florida in 2022. Both Jackie's sisters got saved. Their husbands got saved. And all four of their children and their in-laws got saved. Jackie's mother got saved. Jackie's brother-in-law and nephew got saved. And they are serving at our church in Katy called Church of the King of Katy. All that happened. All that happened. All that happened with this. So I'm going to ask you to take that card right now. Just take it. Would you just take it right now a moment and hold it in your hand? Pastor Chris, I want you to come up here with me. I want you, Kevin, I want you to come up. I want, Ryan, I want you to come up. I want y'all to come up. We know the last 25 years. You know, people, one of our elders called me the other day and he goes, Pastor, he said, I got to call you. I got to tell you something. I said, okay. He said, you know, my daughter's getting married. It's Ken Myers. I said, yeah. He said, um, my daughter wants Joseph to do the wedding. I said, that's amazing. He said, are you hurt? I said, hurt, that's the plan. Like, I know a lot of y'all like his preaching more than mine. Look at me. That's the plan. <laughs> the plan is always not now. We've shown you the last 25 years. This is the next 25 years. For your children and your grandchildren. Aren't you grateful for our Chris Reese, our New Orleans Saint? He needs it. He's going to be taking Youngsville. And Pat, come on, Ryan, Pastor Ryan. All right, watch this. So, Pastor, what's the news? What's the news? We've been waiting. Okay, we've been waiting. Thank you for waiting. Because a group of men, our legacy founders, have gotten together, looked at these projects, and said, we want to partner with the church. So we will match what they give up to a certain amount. And they began raising that amount. The amount, if matched, will cover the first three projects, Abbeville, Ville Platte, Lafayette, and take Youngsville a third of the way. And the gift they've given us, if we match it, each year we're going to do this for three years, is $9 million. $9 million. I said $9 million. So we're going to pray together. Joseph, come on up here and join us. We're going to pray together. I want you to stretch your hands out towards these men because this is the future of reaching Acadiana. Father, today we thank you. We thank you 
that nobody loves South Louisiana more than you. You know the hurricanes we've walked through. You know the sewer systems and the challenges we face. You know the pride, the poverty, the prejudice, Lord. You see a young people that a generation that have been disenfranchised and disillusioned with traditional churches and what's happened. And Father, we believe that you still have a heart for South Louisiana. You're not giving up on Ville Platte. You're not giving up on Abbeville. You're not giving up on Lafayette. You're not giving up, Lord, on young you have a dream and you're looking for people to share with may we be those you can trust those you can trust in Jesus name amen as we close today I want to honor Pastor Steve Delino and his wife who made the Abbeville church happen stand up Pastor Steve would you thank them thank them All right, stand up. We never take your love or trust for granted, ever. Never. Nobody's going to get a bigger salary out of this. We are going to reach Bose and Jackie's. We're going to reach the people of Abbeville that are broken. We're going to reach every color. It's our job. It's our calling. And when we get to heaven, it's all that's going to matter. It's all that's going to matter. Pastor Joseph, would you come since they like you more than they like me and bless us? Would you appreciate that message from Pastor Jacob? Take great. Hey, would you bow your heads with me as I bless you before we leave? Now may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. And may all that you set your hand to, may it be for the kingdom, and may he prosper, and may he bless it. And as your pastor, I bless you in the name of the Father, his Son, Jesus, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you next week. We have prayer partners up at the front.